part two, and last Sunday on Easter Sunday, we launched our awakening series talking about how the world up until the resurrection was living in a winter season. They were living in a season of darkness. And, but how when Jesus came and was crucified on the cross, that was the culmination of the darkness. But then on Easter Sunday morning with the resurrection, an awakening took place on the earth. And the earth has never been the same since. So when we last kind of pick up the story, Jesus has been raised from the dead. And he's got this, this band of, of leaders with him, these disciples who, who are there with him, kind of this motley crew of, of guys who, who have been following Jesus for the last few years. And, and as the book of Luke ends, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Gospels end, which is the history and story of Jesus' earthly ministry, then when, where the Gospels end, the book of Acts begins. And Luke actually wrote the book of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. And so uh, he's the same writer. And so when you end the book of Luke, you basically find Jesus risen from the dead. The Bible says that for 40 days he showed himself uh, risen to over 500 people. And so he made it proof, you know, hey, guys, listen, I'm alive. The world has reached an awakening point, and there is a new movement going to happen on the earth. So after 40 days of, of hanging out with Jesus, the disciples, this motley kind of band of leaders start asking Jesus the question, well, what happens now? What happens now? Until in the first uh, chapter of the book of Acts, we read the story where uh, the disciples and Jesus are together on this hillside, and the disciples start to keep asking Jesus, so, so great, you rose from the dead, this is incredible, what happens now? And many of the disciples actually thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the government in Israel and basically appoint himself king and then kind of make it a political movement. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, Jesus starts to answer the question of, okay, great, the world has, has reached an awakening point. What happens now? And in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, I love this. Jesus says to them, look, it's not for you to know. <laughs> it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, Jesus is like, you know what, I'll just be honest with you, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what this whole new movement is about, what this awakening is, is going to become. I'm not going to clue you into all of the details of that, probably because he knew they'd be, get scared or they'd chicken out or, you know, they'd run or they'd something. And so Jesus is like, listen, it's not for you to know the, the times or the seasons. But here's what I am going to tell you. Here's, here's what I do want you to understand. Verse 8, he goes on, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to tell you what this whole thing means and what it's all going to look like, this new move that I want to do on the earth today. But here's what I am going to tell you. I am placing inside of you the power of the Holy Spirit and potential inside of you that is going to give you the potential that you need to lead in this new movement. And with that, this, this small group of, of leaders, this, this crazy kind of conglomeration of guys, are positioned, find themselves positioned to lead in the new movement that you and I know now, 2,000 years later, as the local church. That it started, this, this new awakening known as the local church, started with a simple group of leaders, with a collection of, of leaders. And it's interesting because as you look at this, this group of guys, and, and when you study their life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the four Gospels, and then you look at the stuff that they do in the book of Acts, 
See, Jesus rises, ascends into heaven right here. For the last time, they will see him. And they're positioned as the new leaders of this new movement. And it's interesting because when you like look at what the, how they were in the Gospels, and then you look at how they were in the book of Acts, it's, it's like night and day. It's, it's like, are these even the same guys? Matter of fact, I came across, uh, in, in researching for this message this week, I came across uh, an introduction to the book of Acts written by Max Lucado, and some of you may know that name. He's a pastor in Texas, but also he's one of the greatest authors of, in Christianity uh, in the last generation. He's literally written dozens and dozens of books, just an incredible linguist. Listen to how he describes the disciples in terms of an introduction to, to this new movement that they find themselves leaders. He says this, they aren't the same men. Oh, I know they look like it. They have the same names, the same faces, the same mannerisms. They look the same, but they aren't. They aren't the same men you read about in the last four books. The fellows you got to know in the Gospels, these are the ones, but they're different. These men have changed. They've stood face to face with God. They've sat at the feet of the resurrected king. They are different. Within them dwells a fire not found on earth. Christ has taught them. The Father has forgiven them. The Spirit indwells them. They are not the same. And because they're different, so is the world. Read their adventures and be encouraged. Read their adventures and be listening. What God did to them, he longs to do in you. See, here's what I believe. I believe that nothing has changed in 2,000 years. I believe that God is up to something new in our world today. And I believe that in the same way that God took a, a, a group of, of brothers, a group of, of young men from all sorts of shapes and sizes, races, ages, and backgrounds, and melded them together. I don't even know if melded is a word. But I think that's what he did. And he put them together in the same way that God did that 2,000 years ago. Guys, listen, here's what I think. I believe that God is reaching down to each and every one of us and saying, listen, in order for this awakening, this new movement to come to pass in, on the earth today, in order for it to come to pass in the United States today, in order for it to come to pass in the state of Florida today, in the region of Southwest Florida today, in our cities, on our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, I need each and every person who is a follower of me to, to awaken to their full potential in me. That just as these men who we see in the Gospels weren't the same in the book of Acts, why? Because they had awakened to their full potential in the same way I believe God wants to awaken each and every one of us to our full potential as well, to the potential that we have to be leaders in our worlds as well. Well, man, I'm not a leader. Nobody's following me. Listen, leadership in its very simplest form is influence. Somebody is being influenced by you and I all the time. Even when we don't think about it, it's true. Even when, even when we don't realize it, the truth is each and every one of our lives have influence to the world around us. So how do we do that? How do, how do you and I awaken to our full potential in Christ? How do you and I begin to discover this full potential that he's placed inside of us that we might lead like the disciples led? Remember, it was the disciples who set the stage for the last 2,000 years what has become the local church. See, when I look around our church today, I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are 
so many of us, the truth is all of us, who have an amazing potential in Christ. And that's what I want to talk about today. If you have your bulletin, I'd love for you to pull it out because I'd love for you to jot a few thoughts down on this idea of awakening to our full potential. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, the first thing I think I would say is this. Awakening to our full potential in Christ means that we must know how God created us. We must know how God created us. It was God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. And God makes this statement to him. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you. He wanted Jeremiah to know, Jeremiah, listen, your life is significant. Your life is strategic. Your life is unique. And see, I believe that if you and I are going to awaken to our full potential that we have in Christ, then the way that will happen is when you and I begin to embrace how God created us. See, I think that one of the, the greatest tricks of, of the devil, one of the greatest tricks of the enemy of our soul, is to get us thinking that in order for us to reach our full potential, we have to forfeit who we are and actually be or act like someone else. Some of us were told that. As a child, we had parents who looked at us and said, if you just be more like your older sister. Some of us had coaches who said, why can't you run like him? Why can't you look like them? Why can't you do that? Some of us, whatever, had voices that spoke that over to us. Some of us, it just lives inside of us. And we look at the sales guy down the hall and we go, man, if I could just sell like that guy. If I could just act more like my mom. If I could just be like that. And it doesn't mean there aren't best practices that we can't grab a hold of. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, we have to recognize that we have been created uniquely for a unique plan. We are exactly who we are, when we are, where we are for a reason. You and I are not a mistake. Listen, I want to say that. Somebody, listen, that's a word for you. You need to know that. You are exactly who you are, when you are, where you are for a reason. God's got it all figured out. He's given you your story. But instead of embracing it, some of us, we've been, we've been pushing against it. We've been going, no, 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 no. Uh, our children's pastor, Josh Homan, was doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job back in our family ministries and working with just hundreds of parents and kids and just incredible. Sarah and I have known Josh for about 15 years now. When we used to run a summer camp up in Indiana, um, we had like these summer interns. Like we'd have between 30 and 50 like staff, summer staff that would come. And Josh Homan, our kids pastor, used to be one of those teenagers who would come. And Sarah and I used to say privately that Josh is our favorite. You know, it was like some of those kids were punks. I mean, precious children of the Lord. <laughs> but not Josh. Like, we love Josh. I mean, it was just like, man, he's just like, you could just see this guy. Man, he was just like bursting with potential and just incredible. And it's been so cool over the last decade or, or more to be tracking along with Josh's life. Because I know that Josh struggled for years. Feeling like he, he wasn't gifted. He wasn't, he, he wasn't. Um, he didn't have the same gift sets or strength zones as other leaders that he would see. And he's not tall and muscular like Mike Ash. He's not funny like Matt Keller. I mean, Josh is probably a little funny, but come on. Come on. But see, once Josh joined our staff as our children's pastor, I'm telling you, you guys, listen. Josh has stepped into a, a reality where he is exactly who God has called him to be. 
and he's gained so much con- I'm telling you, listen, I'll just be honest with you. In terms of the pastors on our staff, you won't find a more big-hearted, tender, loving pastor on this staff than Josh Holman. He's, he's, yeah, absolutely. He's incredible, doing an incredible job. So what about us? Are we, are we comfortable in our own skin? Are we confident with how God created us to be? Are we trying to forget about who we are and trying to be more like somebody else? Because see, if, if we don't know how God has gifted us, if we don't know how God's created us, then we can't add the most value and awaken to our fullest potential in Christ until we do. If we don't know, I, I would challenge you today, listen, you got to find out. you got to start to take an inventory and discover who is it that God has made you to be. And if you do know, we got to start adding fuel to it, man. we got to start growing like crazy. Why? Because the world needs you. Your world, our world needs each and every one of us to lead, to have influence, to play to our strengths, to add the most value possible. And the only way we can do that is when we understand who God has created us to be. Number two, if you want to write this down, we've got to know our weaknesses. The other side of that coin is we've got to know our weaknesses. See, another area where I think the enemy can trip us up is in our weaknesses. When it comes to our weaknesses, let me just say this. Ignorance is not bliss. Because our weaknesses have the ability when we are either ignorant of them or we choose to ignore them, our weaknesses have the ability to trip us up and disqualify us. And that means that we've got to be able to recognize and understand where we're strong, how God created us, but also where we're weak. Not so we can beat ourselves up about it, because the truth is we all have weaknesses. But see, if we understand our weaknesses, then we have the ability to manage them. Then we have the ability to deal with them. We have the ability to staff around them. That's when we have the ability to add the greatest amount of value to the world around us. The Apostle Paul actually wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said it this way. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. He's talking about adding, living up and awakening to his full potential. In living the life God had for him. He said, I don't run just haphazardly or running aimlessly. I don't, beat, I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No Billy Blanks here. None of that. P90X, there you go. Fitness for a new decade. Interesting. Verse 27, look. Therefore, where am I right now? Is this LA Fitness? What's going on? Wow, wow, there it is. Loud music. Verse 27, he says this, look, therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Verse 27, no, he says, I strike a blow to my body. In other words, I figure out where my weaknesses are, and I make them my slave. I bring my weaknesses into my control so that, here's the reason why, after I preach to everybody else, I myself might not be disqualified for the prize. Paul says, listen, if we don't grab a hold of that which can trip us up, we will eventually fall. We gotta be aware. We gotta grab a hold of those areas, not only where we're strong, but where we're weak as well. Here at Next Level Church, we talk often about the three C's of leadership. The first C is character. It's character, listen, Every one of us have areas of our life where that we would characterize as character flaws. These are those areas that if we do not bring them into check, if we don't bring them from the darkness into the light, 
they will affect our influence. They have the ability to be roadblocks to us awakening to our full potential. We gotta be able to recognize those character flaws. We can't just ignore them. We can't just pretend that they don't exist. No, listen, we gotta find out what they are. We gotta bring them into the light. How do we do that? We do that by number one, recognizing them, but number two then, by getting accountable with them, by submitting them, not only to Christ, but submitting them to someone else, another brother, another sister, another sister depending on, on gender there. Where you sit down with someone, you have a cup of coffee with someone and you go, listen, here's what I know. I know that I'm prone to jealousy. And that might trip me up. Here's what I know. I know I'm pro, prone to pride. That might trip me up. I'm prone, to, prone to, to sexual temptation and lust. I need your help. I need you to hold me accountable with that. Why? Because if we don't figure out where our weaknesses are in our character and then bring them out of the darkness and bring them into the light, it can trip us up. And as Paul says, disqualify us. The second C that we talk about at Next Level Church in terms of leadership is competency. Character, but secondly, is competency. In other words, skill sets or, or, or strengths, doing, doing our job. See, we've got to understand where we're strong and where we're weak. Not just in character stuff, but also in what we bring to the table. Let me just say this. Listen, if you want an event to fail, ask me to administrate it. I'm serious, man. It's like, listen, if you want something to just be a, just a bomb, a flop, be like, hey, Matt, can you organize this? Because I, ju I just can't, listen, ducks aren't good at running and squirrels aren't good at swimming. I'm just telling you, when it comes to administration, I'm a duck trying to run a race. It's just like, that's just, it's just not going to happen. Now, on the other side of that, though, if you need, to, you need something in terms of vision, if you need to see the next mountain that we're called to climb, if you need to see where the next potential lies, if you need, if you need to help be creative on how we get there, if you need someone to brainstorm, if you need someone to motivate and inspire, baby, I'm your guy. I'm telling you. It's like I can cast vision in my sleep. Why? Because that's where I'm strong. Those are strengths to me. Those are in my wheelhouse, in my strength zone. But the weaknesses side of it, see, i got to know that. Why? Why? And this is why it's so important. Because in order for us to awaken to our full potential in Christ, we have to know where we're strong, our strengths are, so that we can offer those and add the most value to the world around us. But then we also have to know where we're weak so that we can pass the ball and go, listen, don't call me. She's awesome. Here, pass the ball to her. He's great at that. Pass the ball to him. Does that make sense? See, we'll never reach our full potential in Christ until we understand what our strengths are and where our weaknesses are. So character is, is a weakness that we've got to be able to recognize. Competency we talk about often at Next Level Church in terms of offering our gift, offering our strength. But then the third C in this strengths and weakness zone is chemistry. What's chemistry? Very simply, chemistry is how well do we play with others. This is the people skills part. Because let's be honest, we're never going to awaken to our full potential in Christ if we don't get along with people. Like the worst thing that could ever be on your resume is, does not play well with others. <laughs> no, I don't know why they don't call. <laughs> I don't know either. Listen, if we don't know how to get along, John Maxwell says it this way, if you can't get along, you won't go along. 
We're not going to last long in terms of reaching our full potential, in terms of, of making the, the amount of impact and influence that God wants each and every one of our lives to make if we can't get along, if there's not chemistry there. And maybe some of us, you know, we've come from a background or family, uh, you know, history or, or educational structure where, where we saw this chemistry thing, this people skills thing, this relationship thing demonstrated really well. And if so, that's great. Add fuel to that. But others of us, we might be going, man, I, don't, I came from a dysfunctional home. And, you know, when you look up, like, dysfunctional, it, like, shows my boss and his boss. And it shows my mom and dad and their aunts and uncles. Like, maybe that's where we came from. I want you to know something. Listen, it's never too late to get started. Why? Because if you can't get along, you won't go along. So we're constantly talking about in this strengths and weaknesses conversation about character issues and character flaws. We're talking about competency issues, but then we're also talking about chemistry. How well can you and I interact with and deal with others? And see, I believe that we can awaken to our full potential when we start to grab a hold, very simply, of those three C's, if you will. Here's a, here's a third area in terms of awakening to our full potential in Christ. Number three, we, we must know our season. We must know our season. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says this, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. One of the biggest encouragements I give to leaders today is know your season. Know the season of life that you're in. See, see, here's the thing. When we don't know what season we're in, we prioritize the wrong things. Every farmer, and the Bible uses a lot of agricultural illustrations because it was so relevant to the culture back then. Every farmer knows that when it's planting season, you plant. And when it's harvest season, you harvest. But the farmer who tries to harvest in the planting season or plant in the harvesting season, doesn't end up with much of a harvest. And, man, if there's one piece of advice that I often give to leaders, it's you got to know what season you're in. Because if, if we miss the season we're in and get our eyes so focused on the next season of where we wish we were, we will often miss the lessons that God is trying to, to teach us, the things he's trying to do in us, in this season, it's like parenting. You know, you walk out in the foyer and you see some parents and they got, you know, kids in diapers and kind of the preschool, you know, toddler age deal. And I just, you know, parents of elementary students are just like looking at those parents going, don't worry, it gets better. And then all of the middle school parents are looking at the elementary age parents going, don't worry, it gets worse. <laughs> and all of the high school parents are looking at the middle school parents going, you need to worry. <laughs> and, and all of the parents of grown kids are going, I wish I was you. See, whatever season we find ourselves in, every season of life has its perks and its pressures. And wise is the person who recognizes the season of life that they're in. Several years ago, I was given a book called The Making of a Leader by J. Robert Clinton, who is a, a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, really smart guy. This book was really, really hard, but I got through it. Mm. And in this book, he talks about how um, there are like phases, divine phases to a leader's life. And he basically says that, you know, from like birth to age 18 is what he calls divine foundations. That in, in that zone of a... Of a 
person's life, God is working, whether we realize it or not, to lay the, the strategic foundations of who that person is and who they'll become. And, and for better or worse, good, bad, ugly, or otherwise, God is working in, to lay a, a divine foundation that the rest of their life will, will lay upon. But he basically says right around the age of 18, let's call it, you know, graduating from high school, a person steps into a new phase. In that second phase, in that second phase of leadership, he would say that the primary thing that God is doing is in you. The secondary thing that he's doing is, is through you. Let me illustrate that. Uh, when I was uh, in Bible college, I graduated from high school and then went to start Bible college, community college, uh, and I was, I, I was the youth pastor at a small church in Indiana. And so uh, while I'm, I'm going to college, doing all of this stuff, I, I can remember, it, man, I, God was using us. Man, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years of age for four and a half years. I was, I was the associate slash youth pastor at this church. And so I, every Sunday, you know, I'd be playing my guitar, leading worship, Wednesday nights. We had this amazing youth ministry, 80, 90 students coming out in this the middle of a cornfield, this little side room in the church, and we're packing all these students in there, you know. But it was like, and, and, and in the moment, I would have told you, God was using us in amazing ways, and he was. But now, 15 years later, looking back, I can, I can see that in that phase, that season of my life, the primary thing God was doing was not through me, it was in me. And the lessons that, that God was teaching Sarah and I in those days of our life, like sands through the hourglass, <laughs> let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Man, this ADD thing is killing me with the rain and the thunder and the thing and the lights. And I'm just like, and I got flashy stuff on my shirt. <laughs> it's horrible. You don't know what it's like to be me. I'm just saying. It's, why do you think they give me a stool? You just hang on, brother. Just hang on. Stick to the notes, Matt, man. Stick to the notes. I'm just, I'm just saying. Just saying. What am I saying? He, he goes on, Clinton goes on to, to talk about how in the third phase, the two flip. And how in the third phase of a leader's life, the primary is what God does through you. The secondary is obviously what God continues to do in you. And, you know, if there's one mistake that I think I made 10, 15 years ago when I was so firmly in that phase two of, of development, I, I think I would say that I... I think I had my eyes so much on phase three of what God wanted to do through me that I think oftentimes I missed the very lesson God was trying to do in me. And if there's one piece of advice that I could give to so many of you who are listening today, it, it would be this. Recognize the season you're in and be totally cool with that. Embrace it. Why? Because that's where we learn. That's where we grow. That's where we become everything that God wants us to become. That's where we awaken to our full potential in Christ. Number four, we got to know what stirs our heart. If we're going to awaken to our full potential in Christ, then we got to know what stirs our heart. Philippians chapter 3, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. Listen to the passion in his voice. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Speaking of his, his calling, his purpose, the reason for his being in existence. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, Paul was passionate. Can you hear the passion in his voice? He was passionate about two things. Number one was about reaching people for Christ. And number two, Paul was passionate about planting churches. 
And you can hear it in his voice as he writes. He's going, man, i got to press on for the prize and heavenward and the calling. You can hear, man, he had his eyes set on the vision. And there was nothing that was going to stop him. See, we've got to know if we're going to awaken to our full potential in Christ, then we've got to know what it is that stirs our heart with that kind of a passion. My friend Chris Hodges, who pastors Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, says it this way. He calls it the vision test. And he basically says, shut your eyes and imagine yourself being used by God to impact somebody else. Imagine, you know, see that person that God, you're gonna, God is going to use you at your prime, in your best. Man, when you are at your best, this is, this is who you're touching. This is who you're impacting. This is who you're ministering to, if you will. Who do you see? Chris says that the face you see in your mind when you do the vision test should give you a pretty large indicator of what you're truly passionate about, who you're truly passionate about. Some of us, when I said that, in your mind's eye, you saw, you saw children. And you went, man, I just love getting down on their level and just, just helping them and ministering to them and touching them and then pouring in to their lives and impacting them. Some of us, we saw, we saw teenagers. Some of us, we saw orphans in Africa. Some of us saw inner city children and, and couples. Some of us saw single moms or single dads. Some of us saw, saw widows. Some of us saw elderly people in nursing homes. Listen, each one of us have a different face that we see in our mind, that face that stirs the passion inside of us that says, if I could impact anyone, that's who I would impact. I'll, tell, I'll be honest with you. For me, the passion of my life is two things. Number one, it's about creating environments or creating places where people who have nothing against God but have had a bad experience in terms of church, God's expression on the earth, could see a real true picture of who God is. And it was from that face, the face of that person in my mind's eye, eight years ago, that led Sarah and I to Southwest Florida to start this church. That's the passion that to this day continues to stir me, that we could create environments where that person could see a side of God they never thought was possible or imagined before. And the second face that I see in my mind is leaders. When I close my eyes and see God using me, you know what I see? I see pastors, I see church planners, I see leaders of all ages, teenagers, 20-something, 30-something, you name it. I see leaders. That's the passion of my life because I believe we can change the world if we impact leaders. If we impact those who are impacting others. And so that's who I see. What about us? Who do we see? When you close your eyes and envision God using your life to make a difference in someone else's life, who do you see? This is why I love our connection group philosophy here at Next Level Church. We have what we call interest-based connection groups at NLC. That basically means whatever you're interested in, don't stop doing it. Simply add intentionality to it and invite others in in the process. So no matter who we see, no matter what that face is that we see in our mind, we believe that there's leadership room, if you will, room to influence here at Next Level in our connection groups. I love that. And number five, if we're going to awaken to our full potential in Christ, then we must know the secret to true success. We must know the secret to true success. Listen, people who reach their full potential understand something that so many others don't. They understand that success or awakening to our full potential in Christ doesn't happen in a day. It happens daily. Proverbs actually illustrates this with a money illustration that I think is, is so appropriate. It says this, dishonest money dwindles away. But whoever gathers money, look at this phrase, little by little, 
makes it grow. And see, I think the same thing is true in terms of the passion of our life, in terms of the strengths and weaknesses of our life. I think, I think the same thing is true in each and every one of our lives because here's what I know. I know that when Jesus wanted to start a movement, he reached down and he grabbed a group of unsuspecting individuals and he placed the power of his Holy Spirit inside of them And he gave them all the potential they would need to change their world and the world forever. And I think in 2,000 years, nothing has changed. The same God reaches down and finds a pretty unsuspecting group of people, places the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us and gives us the potential to change our world and the world for him. So here's the question. What would it take for you and I to awaken to our full potential? What could we do today that would push the movement of God forward? See, here's here's the thing, because I know there's probably some of us who are standing here, sitting here right now, thinking to ourselves, yeah, but Matt, not me. I mean, that's cool for other leaders. That's cool for other people. That's cool for a pastor. Not me, I'm just a whatever. I'm just a manager. I'm just a sales guy. I'm just, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. What would have happened if those disciples, that early group of leaders, would have looked at themselves and said, yeah, but you know, I'm not really qualified. I'm not, I didn't go to religious school like these Pharisee guys. And I didn't, I'm just a fishing guy and I'm just a tax collector. Not me. church? What would have happened to the movement of Jesus on the earth if that group of leaders wouldn't have seen themselves as leaders? And what about us? What would happen if you and I today would look at ourselves and go, nah, not me? What would happen in our workplace What would happen in our homes? What would happen with our kids? What would happen to our city? If you and I would just today shut the book and go, eh, not me. Couldn't be me. Flip that over. What's possible? What's possible if today hundreds and Hundreds and hundreds of us leave this place, young and old alike, going, yeah, I'm going to reach my full potential in Christ as long as I have breath. I believe that I'm significant. I believe that my life matters to the greater movement of God. Imagine how Southwest Florida could look different if you and I would embrace our full potential and say, I'm going for it. I'm going to lead in my home. I'm going to lead in my school. I'm going to lead in my workplace. I'm going to lead where I am in my life, in my neighborhood, in the neighborhoods downtown that we've adopted. I'm going to be the one who leads and influences others. I'm going to awaken to my full potential in Christ. Imagine the impact we could have on our world. I don't know about you, 
That's something that I personally get really excited about. So let's pray together today. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to be included in the awakening, included in the movement, this new thing you're doing on the earth today. And so, Father, seated right where we are, listening right where we are, we respond and we cross a line in our heart and we say, yes, I will offer my strengths. I will navigate and manage my weaknesses. I will recognize and embrace the season that I'm in. I'll be who you called me to be. So, Father, we embrace it now. And we thank you, God. You've seen fit to trust us with this peace of the awakening. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all across this room, everybody said.